Two Fit Crazies and a Microphone podcast is brought to you by Vox. That's V-O-X-X, Human Performance Technology. And what is Vox? What we're looking at is wellness and lifestyle socks, insoles, and 24-hour wearable neuro patches. And Brian, I've actually worn these socks before, and I love them. Okay, I think they're good. great. Yeah, so that you know they have um, independent studies that show that they've uh, or, or, you know can help increase stamina, endurance, and recovery, and and uh, you know some stability, and uh, you know a whole lot more. So we've got information on this on our website. Uh, so definitely go and check that out at twofitcrazies.com under uh, podcast sponsor tabs. Who else are we sponsored by, Christine Conti? We are also sponsored by Conti Fitness, the best in online and personal training, a little mindset coaching as well, yoga, whatever you need, ContiFitness.net. As well as High Five Health and Fitness. So we create positive change in your life with online health coaching from High Five Health and Fitness. That's HighFiveHealthAndFitness.com. Again, all this and more on our uh, podcast sponsor tab on the Two Fit Crazies website. Go check it out. It is Christine Conti. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are Two Fit Crazies. And a microphone. We are where it's. At Brian, how you doing today? Uh, best day ever. Brian, you put a post on uh, <laughs> social media earlier today. That's right. There was a lot of expletives in it, but it was a really great. If you get onto our, I mean, what was it on Instagram? It was on Instagram. It was some pictures and making fun of me because I always ask you how you're doing, and then it was someone just responding about how effing amazing everything is in the world. Hey, look at that fucking butterfly. It's beautiful. <laughs> But isn't, that's isn't this ish amazing? It's, but it's life. We're we're seeing life with a glass half full over here. You know, we're seeing that cloudy day as something that hey, just a day off from the sun, it'll come back. It hey, better than yesterday, but worse than tomorrow. That's today, right? Because we get better every day. Right. Exactly. Right. There you go. We're gonna make better, sure that's a better than yesterday, yeah. worse than tomorrow. Yeah, and we'll be better tomorrow. Then we'll. Keep going. I love it. So today was a fantastic conversation with what a what an amazing woman. Her name is Kendra Hall. This is episode 106. I was pumped because I got to see Kendra Hall give a keynote to thousands of people a few months back in Orlando when I went to the Orange Theory Worldwide Summit. And of course, Christine Conti being Christine Conti, you know, goes up to her after and, and I see her and I'm like, hey, I'm Christine. Nice to meet you. But, you know, of course, she's probably like, who is this Yahoo? But Christine need, makes an impression. Needless to say, she made an impression on me. She is a professional storyteller, professional keynote, just came out with a book called Stories That Stick. I, she's she got away with words. Let's say it again. She's a professional storyteller. Yeah. That's what she does. Amazing. She tells stories, you know, and this now for a living. And she's gone to the, you know, the storytelling conventions. And, you know, from, from a very young age, she's been a storyteller. And she's got a book out now, Stories That Stick. And it's about storytelling. And, you know, it's amazing. And, and really how storytelling can be used in business and how it's done in marketing, right? What, what, what more is marketing than telling the story of whatever it is you, right. you really have? And um, and it's in the book. She'll talk about what works and what doesn't. And what's so cool is that, and again, if you Google her or, you know, get on her websites or whatnot, it's fascinating because, again, we are, you know, fitness is our wheelhouse, nutrition, whatnot. But really, 
life is about relationships. Life is about making connections. We can't help you unless we can uncover your story, unravel, un, you know, peel the onion and find out the story of why you're behaving, why you're doing, why you're making the choices you, you make. And she gets into this in her book and, you know, she is a coveted keynote speaker around the world. And by using your story, uncovering your story, you're uncovering the gifts that you have that you can share with others. It's fascinating. I don't care what really? you do out there. It's an, it's an art and it's something that will help us no matter what. And I mean, even during the interview, she mentions, um, you know, us as trainers in front of rooms of people, you know, that we're, that we're training and, you know, some cases one-on-one, but other cases, uh, you know, and how we, how we connect with them. And it's just, you know, it, it's, and it's through a story. It's through our story. And I've said all along, this show has become, our podcast has become about the stories. And here we are with a storyteller telling her story. And uh, it's just fascinating. It's just, uh, it's a wonderful thing. And, uh, you know, Kendra is awesome. You guys are going to love this one. Uh, should we go with this, Conti? Let's do it. Episode 106 to Fit Crazies in a Microphone podcast. Ba-boom. Here we go. Christine Conti. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are Two Fit Crazies. And a microphone. We are where it's at. We are welcoming a fantastic guest today, Brian, on episode 106. Uh-huh. I am super excited. Joining us, another beautiful New Yorker. I'm a New Yorker at heart. For those listeners, we know this. And, uh... Miss Kendra Hall, how are you doing today? What up? Hi, I am so great, so so happy to be here and to be one of your crazies. <laughs> welcome aboard. We think we think it's a, it's a it's a good welcome. You know, it's a good yeah. place to be. It is a good place yeah. to be. So, Kendra, you're in New York City right now. I am. And what are you up to? You said that you are at your home right now. What's going on? Yeah, so we, um, well, you know, it's a, I'm an entrepreneur, you know, started, started this business myself. And so today I'm coming to you live from my very advanced recording studio, which is under my eight year old son's bunk bed. I've got a blanket <laughs> hanging from the bunk bed to kind of buffer the noise over here. I took some couch cushions off of the couch, put them behind me. I've got a, a toy dinosaur to my right. And you know what? They're doing construction in my building two floors up. So you may you may get some of that. But this is, you know what? This is how it this is how it goes. We're, we're making it happen. That's life, and that's real New York, and that's just what you know. That this is what we're doing. We, exactly. We had a great guest on a, a few episodes ago. Her name was Monica Rivera, and she won this um, award. She's a podcaster herself, and she won this award through um, 
NPR, where she was, you know, she was brought in with a bunch of other um, media people, and some of them were New York Times reporters and all these things. And uh, and she says she wants you to go around doing the intros in the room. She says, "Hi, I'm Monica, and I podcast from my closet." And <laughs> you know, whatever it takes. Yeah, you know, and I mean, I guess it, it shows that there's no reason to whatever your dream may be. There's there's no reason not to go for it. So, for our listeners. Um, we always say our guests, they don't just fall on our podcast or fall into our studio. There's always a story. And mm-hmm. when we started our podcast, you know, we wanted to bring, you know, to our listeners, unbiased information. There's a lot of white noise out there. And we bring in, you know, our listeners know, we bring you CEOs of companies, people that, you know, have crazy ideas or endurance athletes, people that have accomplished amazing things. But, you know, that may get them in here. But when they come in here, Brian and I talk about it's really what we get is the story. And Kendra, I think that you just epitomize what we feel we bring to the world because you consider yourself a professional storyteller, correct? That's right. She wrote the book. <laughs> so stories that sick actually is your is your new book right that's right and i had the privilege of previewing this new book shh everybody mm-hmm. top secret I know, um I know. but stories now when you were younger i know that you have a great story so to say how did you get into this because it's not the norm doctor lawyer nurse storyteller i mean you think of like what do you read hop on pop to people like green eggs and ham <laughs> like right you know well, and that's not entirely off base. Um, I, I told my very first story when I was in fifth grade, and it was it was an assignment. We were supposed to choose a children's book and then read it to a third grade classroom, which which I appreciate. You know, looking back, like I think public speaking in in anything that you do is important. So I'm glad that they had the vision um, for us to be practicing reading books in front of people, even in fifth grade. But I remember I chose the book. The book was called uh, The Giant's Big Toe. So maybe not as popular as Hop on Pop. But, you know, it was it was still good. There was a lot of drama, a lot of um, character development in there. And I remember taking the book and reading it and thinking, you know, I feel like I could do something with this. Like, it's pretty good off the page. But what if I really brought it to life? And so when my turn came to go read this book to a room full of third graders, it was right at the end of the day. Um, and actually the girl who had gone before me, because you went in with a partner, right? So, so one would tell, read their story and then the other would read their story. And she chose the book. Um, I'll like you, I'll love you forever. Do you, do you remember that book? I don't, I don't either. Oh my gosh. It's the one that's like, I'll like you forever. I'll love you for always. As long as I'm living my baby, you'll be. And it is this, it it was when it first came out. Now it's like this pop culture phenomenon. Like it's one of those books that every parent gets, every mother gets at a baby shower. Um, And it's a tearjerker and it takes the baby all the way through when it was a baby to when like the mother ends up dying and the baby, like it's this very much. Oh my gosh. I know. know. So this is what I was up against. (laughs) And so and I'll never forget it. Like, I remember her getting up there and, like, reading the story. And the third graders were just, like, they could not they could not sit still any longer. And they're bouncing off the walls. And the teacher was like, when is the bus going to come and pick these kids up? Um, and then it was my turn. And I'm like, what am I going to do? So I decided to just put the book down and just tell the story. 
And it was a risk. I was a risk taker, you could say, at 11. Um, but it just took the first few sentences, and I held those third graders in the palm of my hand. And I was like, yes, maybe I'm onto something here. Like, maybe. And so then what happened is I really didn't go back to fifth grade. I went to every single classroom in that school and told the giants, big toe <laughs> and even in fifth grade like I became known as the storyteller it was right at the end of the year so that's that's really where that's really where it all it's where it all began wow <laughs> the genesis of the storyteller the giant's know, big toe have, <laughs> have you uh have you gone back and and read this or told this story and forget reading you don't read this anymore have you told the story to your son no, you know what? I haven't. Oh my god, I need to do. Get I need on to that. do that. I know. It's your roots. Well, well, what ends up? So here's. So of course, I do a lot of storytelling with my kids. But since that time, I've moved away from. So I spent a lot of my younger years then telling stories, fairy tales, folk tales, children's book. Where I, again, I would put the book down. I would tell the stories. You know, at my friends kids sisters birthday parties I would tell them at church where I was like protected by God uh, and wouldn't get locked in a locker um, but now the stories that I tell to my kids the stories they actually ask for is they want to hear real stories from my childhood like they want to hear uh, my son will always ask he'll say what was the funniest thing you ever did mama when you were a kid and so I'm telling more stories and it's hard because it's hard to think of on the spot, telling more stories from my actual life than um, telling like the giant's big toe to them. But I should, I should bring it back. I should bring it back from the archive. Full circle. So now in high school, obviously you're, you got involved with different clubs and whatnot. What were you, what were you doing to foster this love and obviously this talent? I, I was on the speech team. Yes. I was very popular. I know we have a lot of athletes <laughs> listening to this show. I was on the speech. I did play golf. Um, but on the first day of practice, I got hit in the head with a golf club. So my golf career never really, oh, Kendra. it was a little, I know that's how good of an athlete I am. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was on the speech team and I told stories there and then I entered a, uh, speech, uh, storytelling competition and I won. And so they invited me to the national storytelling festival. And at this point, it was the fall of my freshman year of college. So I won like the spring of my senior year and then went to this festival my freshman year of college. So it just kind of kept, um, it kind of com kept coming back for me, storytelling. And it just, it kept reappearing throughout, throughout my elementary, high school, and then my adult life. So what's that festival like? Yeah, yeah. We have so many what questions goes, what, now, Kendra. What goes down there? <laughs> okay, so the National Storytelling Festival is a festival that happens in the booming town of Jonesboro, Tennessee. And I say booming town because you know how you measure a town based on how many stoplights there are. Uh, Jonesboro, I don't think, has a stoplight. Like, there's no... But... It's the first weekend in October every year um, where like 10 to 15,000 people crowd into this super small town and they put up these huge circus tents and they stuff them full of these tiny white 
plastic folding chairs <laughs> and then they bring in these storytellers. Now, this is what's really important is because, you know, now we have we have the moth or we even have podcasts or we have story people using stories in marketing or branding. But this is I mean, this is oh, I don't even know, 20 years ago now. And these storytellers aren't there with any kind of agenda. They aren't there with a uh, a message that they're trying to get out. They are really there just to take those small moments from our lives or their lives and, and turn them into these, sometimes they were 20 minutes, sometimes they were an hour long masterpieces. And, and I remember sitting at this storytelling festival watching these storytellers and and just like I did on a very micro level in that third grade classroom they could hold entire circus tents of people from all different ages and all different backgrounds and all different interests again right there in the palm of of their hand and the true test was then years later I went back to the festival and I brought my now husband at the time he was my boyfriend um I brought him, and of course, now he he's the athlete, right? Like, he's water polo, UCLA, like this guy. And so I was going to see, like, is he going to respond to these stories in that same way? And and he he couldn't. We went to the first storytelling 10. I'll never forget. It was J.O. Callahan was the storyteller. He told an hour and a half long story. Um, and I looked at my husband, and his jaw was just hanging over like his mouth was just open <laughs> like he couldn't and so um so the storytelling festival really yeah it's just story for story's sake and and having been there and see up close and personal the power of a story just for enjoyment um was really a catalyst for me and something that I always came back to as I started to think about storytelling in business so Kendra you obviously took the road less traveled. Let's, mm-hmm. let's be honest here. So when you go to college, you're not like, I'm going to be a professional storyteller. I am going to, you know, be a keynote speaker for companies and advise people how to use storytelling to enhance their, you know, marketing or enhance their, you know, product sales. Yet you created this like niche, I guess, based off of your talents. So take us through, Hey, I'm, I'm going to school or college. And how, how does one go to college with this talent and say, how do I use this? You know what? That is a great question. And I wish I could say that, you know, ever since I was 11 and in fifth grade, it was just this smooth sailing path that brought me to where I am. But that's just like anything, that's not the case, right? Like there's all these. And for a long time, I just kind of thought storytelling was like a, like a party trick. Um, juggling. You know, like I, what was that? Like juggling. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Or like so, for campfires and things. Exactly. Or so for example, here's one, here's one story on the journey. I was a I was, a, I was a freshman in college, and I went to a small private Lutheran college um, in northern Minnesota, right next to Fargo. It's called Concordia College. And Concordia College is known for their choir. And so at the end of my freshman year, um, there was a talent show called Frosh Frolics. And I really, really, really wanted to be talent show because I thought it would be a good way to meet boys. Um, so, so, but you had to audition to get into this talent show. And I, I kept racking my brain. I was like, Oh gosh, 
what is my talent? Like, what could my talent be? And I can't, I can sing, but more like karaoke, like in the shower, like, you know, like kind of the raspy, whatever. So, 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 and at a singing college, it wasn't going to work. I couldn't play the piano. I couldn't, I couldn't dance. Like I, I wanted so badly to be in this talent show and I had no idea what my talent would be. And I don't know what made me think of it, but one day I was like, you know, maybe I should try telling one of the stories I used to tell in high school. Um, and it was a win. Like it was a second. That's, that's the thing that I think is really important. It was a second thought. Like it wasn't, I didn't even recognize that as a talent per se. Like I thought it was just something that I kind of did. Um, so I auditioned and then I was shocked and terrified when I got into the talent show because now I was going to have to tell a story. And at this time it, it was, I was telling fairy tales. And so there were a lot of characters and a lot of facial gestures and a lot of voices and a lot of just making a fool of yourself really. <laughs> and I thought this is, this is the exact opposite of what I really want. This is not going to introduce me to any voice. Like this is a bad idea. Um, but nevertheless, I got on the show, uh, on a, in the talent show, and I told the story. And and it was another one of those moments where I was like, wait a minute, even for freshmen in college and, and other college, you know, the older grades were, were there and watching the talent show and everyone was responding to the story. And, um, and it really, you know, I think we have, have those moments in our life and we don't always recognize them for what they are in the moment. But when I look back, I, I can't believe that I didn't even, I didn't realize it wasn't on the forefront of my mind that this is something that I could do. Now, you know, I did for my senior year project, I, my, my major was communications because, you know, like I did, I had a friend that my roommate that was going to school to be a teacher and my roommate that was going to school to be a nurse. And those plans were so rote. And I always said that I felt like the gonzo, um, in our group, like, what are you? Like, there's a frog, there's a pig, there's a bear, and then there's this gonzo. And I was just always kind of been the gonzo, you know? Um, and so I didn't, and I, I was, yeah, so it wasn't always clear, but I was always interested. Like I did a senior year project for my communication, like my last communication class. And, and I went in and interviewed um, nurses. I did these mass interviews with nurses at the local hospital um, and had them all tell their stories in groups. So there were two groups of 17 nurses and had them just share their stories. And then afterwards, I took the stories back and analyzed them. I broke them into different categories of stories that were between nurses and nurses and stories that were between nurses and doctors and stories that were about nurses and patients. And then I coded those stories uh, on whether they were positive, negative, or neutral. And from that data, that story data, was really able to see like, wow, there are a lot of, the majority of the stories that involve nurses and doctors are negative. So what does that say about the organization? It was definitely um, a place for them to do some improvement. And it could see that as it was revealed through the stories. And yet the nurses to patient stories were all very positive and emotional. And so um, it just kind of kept coming back for me. It was never really a clear path, but it was always a part of what I was doing. So now take us forward. So now you graduate. And so I graduate. Yeah. Yep. And there is no clear teacher doctor, nurse right now, because you're, you're talking Kendra to two people who were, we call it recovering. <laughs> we are both recovering, you know, mm -hmm. corporate world. I taught 
English, actually. I'm a, I'm a big secret nerd. Um, <laughs> I love words. I love, you know, I taught English for 15 years, but again, Brian and I, like you, always were being led, you know, kind of love, you know, loved fitness and kind of had this thing in the back, you know, in the back corner. For me, you know, I had, I had people who always just said, well, that's just a hobby. You know, that's just, you know, you, you do your sports and you coach and whatever you do. And I loved fitness and, and it, it, again, it led me to what I do today, but it was never a full-time thing. It was a, you know, I'm a juggler. Like you're kind of that, you know, this is what you should do. You know, you, I love that Gonzo reference because really, you know, most of my friends were the, were the, you know, the frog, the pig, the bear. I mean, you even knew, you know, the band, you know, you knew they were in a band, like they, they had it going on, but yet I was like, here's what I'm doing, but I don't really know who I am. And you know, you get stuck and you always did that, that safe thing that you're supposed to do until you have that confidence until you have that, like, I got to chase this. So now what happens? Because you got to do something. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and I think that, you know, I think, I, I think that's a really important that like two sides to, before I keep going with my story, there's two sides to that, right? Is number one, like, it's okay. It's okay. Like, if you have that, if you have that inkling, if you have that, you're like, wait, but I feel like, I feel like I'm supposed to be doing this or I really like this and I like this, but, but you're nervous about it or you, you doubt it or you ignore it altogether because it doesn't fit into whatever the typical boxes are that are out there. Um, to say that like you, you get to make the rules, you get to choose what it looks like for you. And yeah, you know what? It's a lot easier to follow a path that's already been laid out where there are people in front of you who have done it this way and done it this way and done it this way. And so you just kind of follow those same uh, benchmarks, but it's also okay that if you think that maybe your path looks a little bit different to start building it yourself. But the second, the other side of that is, I feel like I, I don't feel like that's a newer revolutionary message right now in this day and age. I feel like all the side gigs and that there is a lot more acceptance for creating your own path and following that path and 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 pursuing it, whatever that may be. But with this new, you know, enlightenment around that, I feel like there's also this additional pressure in that, like, you've got to do it right now and it needs to all make sense today. And, and that's not true either, right? Because I could be, I could be all over myself for not launching my career as a professional storyteller when it was so obvious when I was 11. Like, that's just, (laughs) you know, like it doesn't, and, and there are moments along every, like all, these moments that I'm talking about are these bright moments where when I look back on the story, it makes sense. But that's the thing about story. And that's the thing about our life story is it only makes sense after it happens. You can look back and be like, Oh, that was chapter one. That was chapter two. That was chapter three. That was chapter four. But when you're in the middle of the chapter, you don't know that that's, (laughs) that's where you are. Right. So, so that's, so two things there to all the gonzos out there, like, don't, you know, like go ahead and be a gonzo, but don't beat yourself up about your, about not fully growing into your nose yet. Um, and to that end, it really was a crossroads for me when I was about to uh, graduate from college because there wasn't a clear path. Like I didn't know what internship to take 
or what job applications to fill out. So I went to graduate school to delay <laughs> um, needing to find a job. So that was what I did. And since I lived in Fargo or right next to Fargo for four years, I looked for the warmest uh, graduate school I could find that didn't require me to take the entrance exam um, because I decided really late to go to graduate school. And that would give me a teaching assistant position because I didn't have any money. Um, so then I went to New Mexico State University. There you go. Uh, and majored in uh, commun- organizational communications and management there. But again, as I was at graduate school, my thesis, you know, the big project that you do is on storytelling in organizational socialization, how cultures of companies are built and developed and influenced by the stories that are told. So still, um, still it was, it was there. But again, nobody was hiring uh, professional storytellers at the time. I love this because as an English and business major, I'm like, again, <laughs> having already heard Kendra worlds give a, com- give a keynote colliding. speech, I was like, this is awesome. This is, <laughs> you know, I mean, this works. This, I mean, you've done research on it. I mean, I've written these, you know, thesis here and there, a couple of those, a couple of those big, big papers. Exactly. <laughs> big is an understatement. And, yes. but it makes sense and it's your passion. So what were you gonna yeah. say, Brian? I'm sorry. I, I was just I was just gonna say like the one thing that always sticks to me and the thing that puts me on my path is when those moments in life just keep reoccurring, right? And they're like it, it keeps coming up and, and and you know, be more in fitness, be more in fitness. You're happier when yes. you're more in fitness and you're happier even for you, Kendra, you're happier when you're telling stories and and like you told stories when you're eleven and then you go to college and you're still telling stories and then you go to uh, college again and you're figuring out ways to intertwine the stories and like it just keeps coming up and it's when that is ignored that um you know, then you're really not paying attention. Um, yes. You know, if you pay attention enough and you just kind of latch on to those recurring themes in your life, um, that's where the passion is. That's where the love is. That's where the lifelong, uh, you know, love for whatever it is you're doing is going to come from. And, uh, you know, and I think it's it's really when and that's ignored and when it's ignored because of things like paychecks and when it's ignored, like things like, oh, I got these bills and I'm just I can't do that now and I have to do that. And, you know, you get sucked into uh, a world that just isn't yours. And, yep. uh, you know, I just, uh, I just think that that's what I'm taking from it. Like you have to, like at some point you have to pay attention to it. Well, and you have to also then, you know, for it to really, for it to really become what it can be, there are those moments of risk and faith and straight up hustle. So we had, you know, at, so postgraduate school, I got a job as a director of marketing and then I was VP of sales. That's where I actually met my husband was at that company. And it was a great experience to be in business, but still be realizing that I was using stories. Um, and this moment came where I realized that my true talents weren't being fully utilized in that position, but I was paid well. And we were, you know, looking at starting our family. Um, and there was, there was this crossroads moment where I knew that I needed to, I needed to pursue this other thing. I just felt called. I felt like it just, it needed to happen. Yet at the same time, it meant 
giving up a lot, um, it, particularly financially. You know, like that's a scary thing to do. And um, together, Michael and I, and Michael is a recurring character in the book, um, but Michael and I sat down and we really looked and penciled out our family finances. And what would it look like if I left that job? And what would it mean giving up? I mean, all the way down to we canceled our Netflix subscription, Mm -hmm. um, which at the time, that's when they sent DVDs. So it didn't mean anything in terms of streaming. Right. But like but really getting serious. And could I take on like do some consulting work? And and then I um so we penciled it out, still not really knowing what it was that I would be doing, but knowing that we needed to create this space to let that doing happen. Um, so I left, I left that job in July of, gosh, it would have been 2010. And then a week later, I found out I was pregnant with our first child. So it was very like, oh, so maybe, uh, what do we do about that? Um, but it was, it was a big risk. Um, and, and I think that sometimes you just have to, and I'm so fortunate to have, you know, to, to have Michael to, to help with, you know, that we could make that happen and who was very supportive of it. But sometimes you just, you just got to do it, you know? I've, I've got a Michael. She's got a Michael. I have a Michael just like you that <laughs> when, you know, I decided I was going to change careers and go full time with fitness and speaking and things like that. He just said to me, we'll figure it out. And yeah. every time I come home and within my chaos of who I am, I'm like the Tasmanian devil. I right. rip into the house and, and I'll say, ah, and he's like, Christine, we'll figure it out. We've yeah. never not figured it out. And I think you have to have people that keep you grounded. Brian does it for me as well. You know, I'm the balloon that keeps flying away. And he'll come back down here, come back down here. And, yeah. But you need that. You need, you know, you need people that, you know, are, are friends and are people who are going to see things in different lights and, and say, listen, I believe in your cause or, you know, I believe in us, you know, whether yep. it's friendships or husbands and business partners and, and, and it happens and it just works out, whether it's, again, anything that you're into. It doesn't matter if you're fitness or business or you're a professional storyteller. It's you follow that passion. It's going to work. Yeah. Well, and I think the other, you know, the other side of that is because they do see people following their passion or the desire to follow their passion. The other side of it is it's not this isn't just like like you also have to work really hard you know like that was so to launch to go from to go from that all you know the whole story adding up to where you know to where I am today as a the primary work that I do is keynote speaking and now of course stories that stick is coming out but people often ask me like how do you become a speaker how do you become a you know a keynote speaker and and I tell them like the day that I decided like okay I want to be a keynote like this is what I want to do I want to start speaking and it took a lot of work to figure out and I knew that of course what I was going to be talking about was the power of storytelling but I also then had to figure out like what am I going to say and what am I going to teach and and how can I take this thing that I've known you know for the past several decades of my life and bring it to people in a way that they can that they'll care about it, that they can use it, that they can do something with it. I spent those first uh, couple of years, you know, while I was at home um, with the kids. Because remember, I quit my job and then and then I got pregnant. And so suddenly 
I became a stay-at-home mom, which is ne- was never part was never an aspiration of mine to be. I always wanted to be working. So suddenly I was a stay-at-home mom, but start this business. And so in between nap times and bedtimes, and I was trying to figure out how I could teach storytelling. And then when I realized the way that I wanted to do it was as a keynote speaker, I sat down and made a goal for myself to reach out to a hundred organizations or events or people that had organizations or events, a hundred emails a week for six weeks. That was my goal. And I would sit at my computer and make build this list of events and people and organizations. And I would spend a couple of days building the first building the hundred. And then I would spend the next couple of days sending out the emails and then it would start all over again. And I would build a hundred and, and it's true at the end. And do you know how hard it is to find 600 <laughs> events or organizations that you could possibly share your message with? But at the end of those six weeks, I'd reached out to 600 people and the majority of them I never heard from, but some of them I did. And they invited me to come speak at their luncheon and then at their luncheon would have 10 people or 50 people. Then some, then someone in that audience would, someone in that audience would hear me and want me to come speak for their organization and then come speak for their organization. And that's how it grew. But it started with just straight up hustle and hard work and um, trial and error. Like my first couple speeches, not so good. You know, like you had to, you had to put in the time to then be where I am today and, you know, hopefully where I will go. So I think that's such an important side of the story is not just having your passion and believing in your passion, but being willing to like stay up and make it, make it happen. I want to, I want to ask you about that because you just brought up a very good point. And I think that, that, um, you know, it would be important for us to get to, uh, is the process of it. And, and, uh, you know, I have, I have, uh, friends that are songwriters and I, and I have, you know, I'm fascinated by even stand up comics and, and, you know, and storytelling in, in different ways. And what does it take? You know, if you do, or if you're, how do you get into your story? How do you fine tune it on the fly? How do you make it better? How, how often, do, how many times does it take to tell a certain story or, or to, for, in order for you to perfect it and kind of hit it and get it to a place where you're really in love with it? Um, and, and even, and even from there, like, does the story change depending on the venue? I mean, how, how often does that, what, what, what parts are movable and, and how do you, um, you know, go about making it fit for the audience? That is a loaded. There's a, there's a <laughs> lot. There was like eight questions I in there, Ryan. I was over here right. like, wait. Wh- so let me reframe it. No, no. What's no, the I'm process? <laughs> yeah, I think I think the process for for anybody, um, you know, it all. It, it's not. Uh, I wouldn't say that it's linear, right? It's more spherical. So, so to use stories strategically, to use them um, with purpose and intention, which is really what, and then of course. Um, in the book, it's all about it's all about stories in in business. Um, but but to really be utilizing the true power of stories, there's a couple of things to to be thinking about. Number one, of course, is the audience. Um, what do what do you, what do you want them to think, feel, know, or do as a result of hearing your story and or hearing a story? And so, in that way, to let that really be the um, North Star of of choosing which stories to pursue, choosing which stories to hone, craft, 
and then um, ultimately tell over and over and over again so that so that they're really solid. But it should our story should always be now casually, whatever, like a story is a story is a story. But but when you're using stories um, strategically with intention, they always need to be audience forward and, and to have that be the guide. Now, now your audience, you may have the same audience more or less over and over and over again, right? You're going to be speaking for communicating with, um, the same kind of person, uh, or maybe it is, maybe if you're telling stories internally, maybe it is actually the same people every time, maybe it's at a Monday morning meeting or a team call, but your story or story should always be audience first. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is to, once you have your audience in mind, is to be really clear on the message that you, you want to deliver. What do you, what do you want them to, what do you want to say? And then those two things come together. The audience and your message, that's that marrying of the two is really going to be, um, the intersection of the perfect, finding the perfect story. From there, it really is a matter of, of trial and error. You know, I think that, I think that that's, um, storytelling is such a natural thing for humans, right? Like this is, this is a way that we communicate. This is a way that we connect. And so we don't often think about, um, putting effort into them. But like anything, like being a, like being a musician, like being a fitness instructor, right? It takes trial and error. It takes practice to realize what really works and what doesn't. And so my recommendation is always, you know, once you have a, your audience, once you're clear on what you want that message to be, to choose one story and then tell it over and over and over again. Now, for me, I know that on the third sometimes even the second, but on the third telling of a story, um, it's pretty much nailed down, right? Like it, I can pretty much settle in, like I can do the first telling and it's kind of wandering. The second telling, it gets closer. And then by the third telling, the story's pretty well set. Um, but of course I've been telling stories for, mm-hmm. for a very long time. So it might take 10 tries. It might take 20 tries, but the importance is to put in those reps and keep practicing and keep doing it over and over again. I have to, I have to say, so I got to hear you speak, as I'd said, and then also got to get into the book. And I have to just throw out there the power of storytelling that you bring to an audience. And you had told a story about your, you and your husband and, and getting this cologne, which was a very powerful story. You're very detailed. Your verbiage is, is picked just precisely. And from hearing you tell it in person to a, I don't know, there were thousands and thousands of people in that room. And then reading about it in your book, so different, so really? unbelievably different because of the life that you can bring to your stories. So yeah. I would love just to, to pick your brain about what is it that you put into these stories as opposed to, you know, letting it jump off the page sometimes? Because again, your book is so powerful. There's so much great information in there about how, how do I use stories to enhance my business, enhance my life, enhance my relationships. 
And then when you speak, how is it that you draw people in and, and just lose them? Because literally, you know, it's timelessness. We've talked about a lot on the show that you forget time. You get sucked into the moment and you forget, you forget time because you're living in the moment. What is it that you do or what is it that you've mastered that you can get people to be sucked into you? Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm so, I'm so glad to, I'm so glad to hear that that is your uh, experience with my stories. That makes me very happy. But I think that, you know, you know, we all, we often think about stories as being a talent, you know, that there are, that there are people who can tell really good stories. And certainly like this is something that I've been doing for a very long time. So there is an element to that. Like if you were to put me out on a basketball court, I would not be well, just don't, just don't put me on a basketball court. <laughs> <laughs> I do not recommend that. But I do. One of the one of the things um, that was really important to me, both when I speak and in particular in this book, is I don't want storytelling to be this mystical thing that people feel like maybe isn't accessible for them. And so, for this question. I, I want to go to some of the the content that's in the book, and of course, I want want you all to read it. But I really break it down into, and so this may be a more boring answer than um, what you would expect to hear. But but over time, you know, from sitting in the sitting at the storytelling festival and watching these master storytellers and doing this for going to storytelling workshops and retreats and conferences and really watching how you know, when, when I hear a story, I don't just hear it. I can like kind of see it breaking down in front of me, kind of like the movie, the matrix, which is funny because I hated that movie and I really <laughs> never, but you know how it's like kind of out in front of you and all digital like that, like that's how I see stories. And so over the years, I've really been able to break it down for the stories to be compelling, for them to be persuasive or entertaining, that it really comes down to four key components. And that if you have these, which I think is really exciting because it makes it available to anyone. If you have a message that you want to deliver and a story that you want to tell, you need to make sure that the story has a character in it, like an actual person, um, somebody that the audience can relate to and can either see themselves in that person or they can see somebody that they know or at least you're somehow familiar with that person, that character. Um, so like in the story about the cologne, what's funny in these early readers is I've had many women in particular say, oh my gosh, that sounds just like my husband. And that's what you want, right? That's what you want in your stories is for, that's how you lose time. Um, is they, they become a part of that story because they can see themselves in it. Um, that's what I call that co-creative process of storytelling. So having identifiable characters, um, having emotions in the story. And again, the key is they don't have to be these big, tragic over the, like we're not writing movie scripts here. Uh, the emotion of regret or anxiousness or satisfaction are perfectly acceptable emotions that we all feel on a daily basis, right? That, that satisfy that, um, that go beyond the logic and draw people in. So we need characters. We need emotions. There needs to have the, your story needs to have a moment, a place and a time that people can connect to and put themselves in. And then lastly, 
uh, specific details. And this is where you can really, you can really have fun. Like I have a, a story, um, about, about growing up and I include in there, uh, the, my little pony dream castle <laughs> and, and the people that, you know, like any girl who grew up in the eighties knows about, you know, the major they know about the, my little pony dream castle. I always and- wanted it and I didn't get one. Thank you. Me either. I never had one. But see, do you see that right there? Like, that's how you build. um, That's how you build connections with people is including those details. And, you know, in business, it's an opportunity for you to kind of flex your empathy muscles and say, I know you. We know each other. We're we're similar. We're we're alike here. Um, So that last component of specific details. So so I know, you know, like I could go on about like, oh, you've got to, you know, use your use pauses and facial expressions when you're delivering a story live. And that's all stuff that can be taught and learned. And some people have that talent and some people are going to have to work on it. But these four components of a story is something that anybody can use to to be more compelling in their storytelling. So as as you go through again, the book is coming out when, Kendra? September 24th. Okay, September 24th. Everyone is going to get your book. Mm-hmm. Now, this is what, this is, if you could say one major thing. So if you're really hoping everyone's going to read this book and they're going to walk away with fill in the blank, what, do you, what is your goal? They're going to walk away. So two, so the ultimate goal, so they're going to walk away and say, ugh. All these experiences, these moments, these little happenings in my life, they have value. Like I could share them and they would make a difference. They'd make a difference in my business or in my life, in other people's lives. So that's the big goal is if nothing else that people are, that people see, because I feel like we're all searching for significance and impact and you know what is our legacy what difference do we make in the world or just in our communities or just with our families or just with our friends or whatever it is um and want people to read this and know that their stories their moments in their life have significance but then beyond that is to read this book and say and I can do this Like there's this incredible power within me and I now know what to do with it. I can tell, I can create, I can use a story and it will stick. So that's the, I want them to feel like they can do it. Stories that stick. Stories that stick. Kendra Hall this September. (laughs) Kendra Orders are available now. Too. There you go. That's, All right. Where where are they buying it? Amazon and uh, bookstores, Barnes and Nobles. Yep. Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, I think there's a. You can go to Indiebound, which is a website that you can find your local bookstore, and I think you can pre-order it there. But yeah, all of the typical online channels. The book is there and ready for 
ready to be pre-ordered. So you don't even have to think about it. Come September, it'll just show up on your doorstep. And you can get right to it. <laughs> I, I have, you know what? I have a quick question while we have you here, and I think it's uh, it's it's good for actually Christine and I. What what was the process like of writing the book, and and like even the the business end of the process, like publishing and and coming up with a publisher? I mean, I, I'm looking here. You're Harper Collins leadership. Uh, uh, I'm reading here, so that's uh, you didn't you, you know you uh, you started very high up <laughs> as far as <laughs> as far as publishers go. Um, how did that all come about? You know, it's a that it's a whole that's a whole <laughs> another story. another episode. All right, but but it is. It's that it's that um, it's the whole exercise again of of you know taking a risk and having faith and then being willing to to work at it. So I found a great agent and then she was able to tell the story of the book to an editor who was then interested to talk to me and then they said, "Yep, we want to we want to try that book. It's so funny though with books. Like you would think that the writing of the book would be the bulk of the experience and it is it is a blink of an eye compared to the selling of a book. It's 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 crazy. It's crazy, but exciting too. I love both. I love writing and I love selling. So great combination. Good. So Kendra, I I have to just ask you this because you are a professional storyteller, and what is your favorite story to tell? Mm. Giant's big toe. I mean, I was going to say that, but there's got you know what I mean. As you as you've gone on, you've got to have one that really sticks out. Yeah, I tell this, and you probably heard it. I tell, you know, my favorite stories to tell are the ones um, that are about my kids uh, and just that experience. So I do. I have this story um, about my about my daughter, and you know, when I was really at the crossroads of um, pursuing this passion, this dream of of being a storyteller and a keynote speaker was really hard because my job me I mean I, I think I'm I'm executive platinum on American Airlines, I'm platinum on Delta, like I am I leave next week um and speak in four cities in four days in a row. You know, like it's it's a it's a lot. And so to pursue this passion also means uh leaving leaving my other calling and my passion, which is to be a wife and mother. And that's, it was really weighing on me. And this is several years ago. My daughter was about three years old and we were at home. Um, and we were in her bedroom and we were building something on her bedroom floor with blocks. And I was very distracted. And of course you could tell that I was distracted because daughters, women in general have a way of telling when people are distracted. And, um, she looked at me and said, mama, we're building a castle. I was like, oh, right, of course, that's what this is. Yes, sorry, yes, a castle. And she said, and we live in this castle, Mama, because we are two princesses. And I remember thinking, oh, that's sweet. You know, like, oh, my daughter thinks, you know, I'm a princess. It's really cute. And that could have been the end of it. But then she said, it's big, and it's a big castle, Mama, because we are two princesses who go to work. (laughs) And, And I... You know, I remember looking at her and thinking, maybe this is actually what I'm doing is uh, teaching her to dream bigger. And, and I love telling that story because every time I tell it, I reconnect with the bigger reason of why I do what I do. And every time I tell it, you know, I have dads coming up to me and moms coming up to me and people coming up to me and 
um, you know, we all have those moments and it's such a small moment that, you know, just really makes a big impact. And so that's, that's one of my favorite stories to tell. And I'm sure, you know, as, as I continue to grow as a wife and a mother, there'll be, there'll be others that, that come as well. And that's what life is about. It's about relationships and about, you know, being with people and being authentic. And, and I did remember hearing that story and I, I do have a daughter and, you know, for many of us, we relate, we relate to this and we don't always think about it and reflect. And, you know, again, what you had said with your daughter, I have a daughter who, mom, I don't see you a lot because you work really hard. And when I get older, I'm going to go to school and I'm going to do what I want to do and work really hard at it as well and help people. And I'm like, mm-hmm. all right. So for all those days you feel guilty. And if you're really following your passion, then your kids see it. And oh, yeah. there's a bigger picture to all of it. And it's great. And that's, that's what's going to make everybody you know, happier and live more quality lives. And we're just very grateful for what you're doing out there in this world and bringing your message of storytelling stories that stick with people. And again, you know, stories, you could just say stories that stick and you remember them or stories that really stick to your heart, pull at your heartstrings and make you think, you know, I can be better. I can, I can produce better. I can better business or better relationships. And that's what life is all about. So for that, Kendra, we, really thank you for the work that you're doing and, and the book and just spreading your message. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for, for having me. I remember meeting you after that event and thinking, man, I, I like her. I'm relentless, Kendra. I'm that person who's like, who the hell is this? Who's like, I, uh, no, I love it's going to be fun. Oh my gosh. That's great. Well, you know what? It's, that's what it's about in life. It's about, you know, kind of getting together, sharing people's messages that, you know, and helping each other. That's, that's what it's about. So Kendra, do us a favor. Tell us, tell our listeners, um, all of the platforms, websites that they can find you or hire you, hire you as a keynote speaker or also, um, the book as well. Of course. Well, my website is kendrahall.com which is Kendra with an I, K-I-N-D-R-A, Hall. On the website, you can find, um, there's a space in there to put your name and email address so you can get my weekly storytelling videos. So those come out every week. Of course, I'm on Instagram. It's just at Kendra Hall. I do a lot of um, stories within my posts and then stories on stories. I just think, I think social media is such an incredible uh, partner in the storytelling efforts. Facebook, it's uh, facebook.com slash Kendra Hall fan, I believe. I think I'm also on LinkedIn. And then, yeah, in terms of keynote speaking, you can just visit the website and there's a contact form. And I would love, I, I mean, I'm sure you could tell there is very little that brings me more joy than standing on a stage and being able to share this message. Well, keep it up, Kendra, because... We'll be crossing paths again one day soon. So I love it. I love it. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank awesome. you. And uh, out from under the bunk bed, Kendra. You're you're out, get get out there to the rest of your day. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> I might just do lunch under here too. Nice. <laughs> nice. Good place. Yeah. It's quiet. <laughs> All right. So with that said, my name is Christine Conti, and I'm Brian Prendergast, and we are two fit crazies and the microphone. We are where it's at. Peace.